name here you can click on the pictures there they are actually free videos they'll appear differently depending on whether you're on a PC a laptop or a mobile device you'll get more videos free if you um, are on a PC um, you may just have to click to enable the Adobe plugins that pop up it's free to do that and the videos will automatically start streaming for you if you're on a mobile device or your PC you can um, click on the blue charms that say um, mobile movie I guess I could show you rather than tell you as you can see here uh, here so if you're on a mobile device or on a PC you just scroll down you click on this right here mobile movie and it will take you to see here the movie will start to play and once it's downloaded it'll start to play now since it's an adult movie I'm obviously not gonna play that for you especially since that's not what we're here for but that's how you get to the movies and they are free um, so anyway, that's oopsie. It's starting up there. But I'm going to stop it because I don't want you to see that. That's not what this is for. So um, anyway, you click on the movies. That's you can see that side of me there. Uh, it's free. You can get a membership. It's um, you can make a donation or you can just check out the free stuff. I appreciate all of the above. Thank you for that. Um, if you have been here before or if you can read and see what's on the screen. And I don't mean that as an insult. I'm saying maybe you don't have the screen in front of you and you're just hearing this. But in case you can't, you could see here what we do. And that's explore the other side or another side of me. That'd be the spiritual side of me that I believe exists in all of us. No matter how you feel about that statement. Whether you acknowledge it as a real thing or deny it as nonsense or feed it and nourish it or neglect it altogether. Whatever the case may be. I believe it exists no matter what form you think it takes and um, that's what this is about the spiritual side of me and I think it's rooted in for us the message that Christ brought and that would be Christianity and that's not the religion of Christianity that people may think of it as but that's actually seeing what Jesus Christ the one who it's named for actually had to say about things and that's what we do here we're gonna pick up where we left off and um, Matthew the um, gospel and there are only six of them in the Bible. Um, and Matthew is the first. And it's the gospel meaning it's words brought to us by Jesus. And um, so, uh, and there's only six in the whole Bible. So if you're going to be a Christian, it might be important to you to know what he actually had to say. Because it doesn't always align with what you had to think, what you might think. So in the last reading in Matthew chapter 13, you can see here what um, the verse that passage that stood out to me. Um, that sort of points to well, that was interesting to me and I'll read it to you then I'll tell you what it meant to me and then we'll move on to what's today's reading but he said uh, well just the passages so you aren't confused but he and he said to them an enemy has done this the servant said to him do you want us then to go and gather them up but he said no less while you gather up the tares you also uproot the wheat with them let both but let both grow together until the harvest and the time of harvest I will say to the reapers first, gather together the tares and bind them, bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat in my barn. So this to me points to Jesus letting us know why we may wonder why there's so much evil in the world and why does God allow so much evil to exist if there really is a God? Why would he allow or she or however, whatever you believe God to be, 
allow the evil to continue in the world. And this, this to me is Jesus' explanation of it. It's that he didn't intend for the evil to be in the world, but an enemy. And then, um, it's he's going to explain it further, but an enemy has done this and people follow that evil. And that's what they um, ascribe to as their um, way of living. Whether they even believe in religions and things or not, or believe in something altogether. It's in many cases, it's evil. It boils down to being evil, selfishness, all kinds of terrible things. But, um, um, so Jesus is saying here that I believe that's what he's saying that that's the reason God lets their let evil lets evil exist in the world at the same time he expects people to seek the good because if he uproots all the evil what we would consider or God would consider evil which each of us probably has evil in us um, but if God were to make a judgment like that and to uproot all the evil from the world the people who are what we might call good are so tied to each other that um, even to the evil people, whether it be like our parents who mistreat us, or family mistreats us, friends who mistreat us, whatever the case may be, a spouse, children, whatever the case may be, who disappoint us or mistreat us, we're so tied to them, if at all at once, if there was suddenly a reaping, and all the people who were considered truly evil were wiped out, even the people who were considered decent and good would probably have their faith shaken so terribly that they'd be uprooted also and that's what he's saying with the the wheat being uprooted with the tares the tares being the weeds and the something you really can't use other than to burn um and the tares being what you can use for food even i mean the wheat being what you can use and even use for food so anyway um that's the long and short of what more long of what we went over in chapter 13 we're going to pick up where we are left off at chapter 14 and I did kind of take a longer time explaining what we went over last time and everything because this chapter has very little Christ talk in it and very little red letters so I'm going to move on through it and give you kind of an idea where it's going as if the headers don't but let's read and at, at that time Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants this is John the Baptist he's risen from the dead and therefore these powers are at work in him for Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So just to sum up what happened there, John the Baptist, the holy man uh, back in the day, John being his name, the Baptist being his role in the story of God's big picture of what's happening was the Baptist who baptized Jesus but was also Jesus's cousin but was also um executed and this the story of what's happened to John um what's and this is the story of what's happened to him and how he basically rebuked the government officials for what was going on in the government and in turn they executed him things like that don't happen nowadays do they they do unfortunately so anyway for Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for his sake of Herodias his brother Philip's wife because John had said to him it is not lawful for you to have her and although he wanted to put him to death he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet but when Herod's birthday was celebrated the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod so so far the only thing it seems that was saving John the Baptist's life in the public eye is public opinion 
um, was keeping him alive. Otherwise, it seems that the person in power wanted to kill him. Excuse me. But you see here, being humans, the um, person in charge has a daughter, a, well, stepdaughter. And it's his birthday, and he's celebrating. And like I said before, this is one of the few times in the whole Bible, maybe the only time that I can think of where birthday is even mentioned. Um, but here they're celebrating his birthday, um, and the daughter, daughter of Herodias danced. That means it's his stepdaughter. She's twerking for him. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she's dancing it off for her father and stepfather, um, and it pleased him, as it says. She, Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Uh, so she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the, Baptist, John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So now, was he really sorry? Because um, notice, this isn't red ink. This isn't what Jesus is saying that he's sorry. It's the narrator of whoever's documenting this event for us saying that he was sorry. I mean, how sorry could he really be? It started out saying that John, that Herod is the one who threw him in the prison. See? See right there. Herod the Tetrarch, John the Baptist, risen from the dead. And he thinks those are the powers that work at him. He's the one who actually ends up killing him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison. So, I mean, could he really be that upset that he, um, that the, his family wants the same person dead? Maybe. The narrator is saying that, or the person who's documenting it says, yeah. So, that's where we're to believe. That's what's up in the king's head. Um, so, it says he was sorry about it. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat, who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter given and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. So in exchange for getting a dance, um, the king... We'll call him the emperor, the ruler, the governor of the area, whatever you want to call the tetrarch, as it says there. So, in exchange for getting his a dance for his birthday, and notice it doesn't say. Some preachers will tell you they were all drunk and stuff, and it was a big drunken party. There's no mention of alcohol at all, at all, at all. And some faiths, even Middle Eastern faiths, when they celebrate, they don't include alcohol at all. Even it's actually forbidden. So, um, you can't just assume that they're just drunk and he got carried away with it. And that that's why he agreed to um, execute somebody just because his, daughter, his stepdaughter asked for it, just because she danced. But you can um, see that that's what happened. And if you read what's there, instead of trying to um, make up what's there, clearly... Her dance is what got him going, and in exchange for the dance, he made an offering for um, whatever she wanted. And what she wanted was what her mama told her to ask for, and that's the religious man who'd been hounding the family to be killed. And he did it. Um, so that's what's called, what's, that's what being martyred is when you die for your religion's sake. Um, that's like the definition of it. Or that's an example of it. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. 
And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place and hour is late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. So Jesus has heard about John the Baptist being beheaded and he's on the move. Um, but his disciples are with them clearly, but also the, the multitude are so moved by him that they're following him. Even though he's not trying to gather any sort of following with them, they're following him. But it has to be, because just like there, even his enemies would say, he was performing the miracles. He wasn't just saying something, he was actually doing something. Um, but Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away, you give them something to eat. So, this is the few of the red letters in this chapter, so we'll take a moment and focus on it. So, you have the disciples being hounded, basically, by the people, or being bothered, anyway, wondering what they're going to feed the people who are following them. And notice, it's multitudes, so there's a lot of people. And so, they're thinking on a human level of, what are we going to do for all these people? How are we going to feed them? Think of a rally, a MAGA rally, even. Um... How are you going to take care of all these people? How are you going to have enough masks for all these people who don't even want to wear them? And they didn't. But how are you going to make accommodations for all these people is what they're wondering. So um, they're thinking, send them away. Let them take care of themselves. And um, that's what the disciples are thinking. So Jesus replies, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So he's telling the disciples that that's their role in the big picture of things. This may be a message also for us who are Christians, uh, who believe to carry the message forward. Also, to feed other people with the message. Um, take what we have and feed, feed people what we have with Jesus. So, we'll see. And they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. So, they summed up what they had on them and it wasn't much. And that's between 12 of the guys, anyway. He said, bring them here to me. So, even among, with the five loaves and two fish, that wouldn't really have been enough to even feed the twelve disciples, Jesus, and presumably the women, or whoever else was following along with them. Um, but, um, so that's what they had. And so Jesus tells them, to bring what you have to me, is his message. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit on the, gra on the grass, and he gave the five loaves and the two fish I'm sorry, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke, and gave the loaves to the disciples and the apostles. I'm sorry, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. So what we have to sum up what happened here. The disciples started out with not very much. They didn't think what they had would be enough. And when you consider it, five loaves and two fish wouldn't even have been enough for the disciples themselves, much less for the great multitude. So, But what happened, they took what they had to Jesus. Jesus says, bring them here to me. Bring, oh, bring me what you're working at and working with. I think Jesus is saying there, come as you are. That's what he's saying there. Whatever it is you do have, Bring what you have here to me. Whatever amount of faith it is you have, whether it's great, just believe that Jesus can accomplish things with just the word, like some people who approached him were, or whether you have very little faith, just hoping, and the person who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, or whatever position you're in, Jesus is saying, bring that here to me. 
and he takes what they have uh, on hand, the disciples, and uh, Jesus is able to, and obviously a miracle, excuse me. Jesus is able to take what the disciples had on hand and make it enough that it was enough to feed thousands and thousands of people, presumably because 5,000 were men. And it said, and that's not even, that's what besides means there, the women and children. Uh, so a miracle. Um, and again, it's for believers. If you're not a believer, do it at what you will. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Now the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So now you see they've moved on. And um, the disciples are with Jesus, traveling by sea, sailing. Because uh, other than walking or by animal, there were no cars back then. Or planes uh, that we know of going on back then so that's how they were traveling by boat and so they've run into a storm now on the fourth watch of the night jesus went to them so they're not with jesus when they've sailed away in fact jesus i think even after they saw the miracle uh jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go before him so he's he intentionally separated them after they saw that great miracle maybe this was a test to them a test for them to see how they would fare after seeing that miracle, what they would, how they would do on their own without um, having Jesus there in the storm physically with them. Maybe a message to us, not having Jesus, Jesus physically here with us now, like they had the benefit of. And um, okay, so uh, now when the boat was in the middle of the sea, now the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. On the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. So the boat's being tossed. It's a big storm. And Jesus is going to them separately walking on the sea. And again, this is for believers, an article of faith. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. And when I say an article of faith, I'm saying it's something either you believe or you don't believe. And that has nothing to do with um christianity but with anything in general that you believe whether you're someone who you believe that uh evolution is how things happen or you believe that the earth is flat or whether you believe that uh life ends here in this world and that's it whether you believe you there's you're reincarnated whatever it is you believe um um believe what you believe i'm just saying here that part of what uh, the christian faith is that and I think this is for a big picture and idea that Jesus is trying to demonstrate for us. Not that he expects us to walk on water. I don't think that's the idea. Um, I think Jesus is saying, even after, you notice how even after they witnessed the miracle that people who died, you know, the disciples, almost all of them died to tell their, the story of what Jesus did, not their own story. So they were martyred themselves, just like John the Baptist. So I would think what Jesus is showing us here. As that even after they witnessed the miracle of him feeding those thousands of people, when they knew they would, weren't going to be able to, they were saying, send them away. Um, that even after that, as soon as the storm, the storms of life roll along for people, even the disciples, they immediately fall into doubts and fears just 
seems that's human nature. And I think Jesus is showing us that maybe that that's partly what the whole Jesus experience was meant to be, not for us, but for God, so that Jesus Jesus could so that God could see what it's like for humans to walk in the flesh and be terrified of a storm that wouldn't terrify the one who created storms, but would definitely terrify someone who's walking in the flesh thinking that storm can take your life and wipe you out. Not believing that there's a life after this one. Not believing that the storm is something that the one who sees it all sent in the first place, created in the first place, not to kill you or not to uh, terrify you, but maybe just for this purpose right here so that it could be a lesson for people to come way down the line thousands of years later. But anyway, so that's what's happened with them. They're stuck in the storm and Jesus is gone to them. And I think maybe that also is the message too. When that storm rises in life, Jesus will come to you. We aren't gonna be we aren't gonna be alone if you're truly believers, if you're truly following what it is Jesus has to say. And I know life doesn't always seem to work out like that sometimes. Absolutely I know that better than many. Maybe better than most. Um, so anyway, um, the storm is terrifying them, but Jesus has gone to them. This is the fourth watch of the night. So I would think that's like just before between um, like 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Basically just before the time, the darkest hour just before um, uh, sunrise. Like I think with because I don't think there's a fifth watch. I think that fourth watch is the last time period of hours before sunrise basically and so that's when Jesus has come to them and it says he's walking on the sea so one of the things that you can take from this whether you believe it was actually that he actually did this whether it actually whether you believe in the miraculous event nature of it or not you can believe that that's where the saying comes from when people say that oh he's so good he walks on water or you think that she's so good she walks on water that sort of thing that's what it means when they say that that saying means they think that that person is so holy and so righteous and so good that they could do just like Jesus and walk on the water. So if nothing else, you can get that lesson from that. So when the, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. So that's what the disciples thought that they were seeing. Something supernatural, which they were, and thinking it has to be. If it's walking on water, it can't be a human walking on water, so it must be a spirit. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So Jesus responds to their terror of them, his own people who just left him and saw the miracle he performed and ate even though the food that he was able to miraculously provide, they're terrified when they actually see him. And um, But Jesus lets them, no, don't be scared, don't be afraid, it's me. Oh, excuse me. Let's see. So I guess that's the message of comfort for us as Christians when those storms roll along in life and we feel like we're alone and even after something fabulous happens like you, um, uh, you never know, maybe you get your stimulus check and you're delighted about that and then the next thing you know, the whole thing's gone because you're three months behind on your um, housing payment or whatever it is. Or maybe you don't get any relief from the whole housing pause. and Or maybe you didn't realize that pause is just a pause. It doesn't mean those payments are gone. You couldn't just spend that money. They're going to expect that day. Uh, they're, that day is going to come when they expect that money. 
it's a terrible thing. And um, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come over to you, come to you on the water. So here the disciple, one of them, is responding to Jesus saying, Lord. So he's saying it is you, Lord. But he didn't respond with doubt, saying if it is you. So it does kind of, it's like an oxymoron, like um, jumbo shrimp. It doesn't make sense. If they're shrimp, how are they jumbo? Same thing. If it's the Lord, how are you saying if it's you? But you're already saying it's calling, addressing him as Lord. But that's what Peter does. And he says that. If it is you, then go ahead and use your powers and let me walk out on the water too. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down, so Jesus answered him with one word. He's like, okay, you want magic tricks. As It seems like that's the sort of spirit that it's done in. Because Jesus didn't use a whole lot of words. It's like they say, the devil is in the details. He didn't use a whole big paragraph of words. He just told him, come. He's like, yeah, I'll show you it's me. Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So he, he, he got what he asked for. He told the, he asked the Lord, if that really is you, then go ahead and command me to come down out. Have the same power that you did. Let me have the same, like, just like in the Old Testament, if you know the story of Elijah and Elisha. How when he was, in, a, in the story, carried away in a flying object. Um, and it's in, it's in the Bible. You can read it yourself. You can search it. But when he left, he left his mantle. I guess that's something you wear. Um, he left that to his um, sort of apprentice. Uh, it almost sounds like Harry Potter or something. But he left his um, apparel to his uh, apprentice. That's the word I'm using for because that's what he sort of did. Elijah. And when he did, he sort of imbued him with sort of all of different powers too or at least the connection to God or whatever it is that they were calling and are using as their source of the divine because like I said before there's many different gods listed throughout the Old Testament not just one no matter what your teacher may, preacher may tell you you can read it yourself they're not all God or either God changes so anyway that's what happens um, there so anyway Jesus, I think, is setting these examples for us by this whole thing of what's happening. Let us, letting us know we're not alone. And if what you need is a, is a miracle, show it. He'll provide you a miracle for it. But look what happens when the miracle is provided. Because he's able to walk on the water too now. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. So that, what does that tell us? That tells us that even though... He should recognize Jesus because he's walked with him and seen his whole thing, everything that's happened along the way. Miracles, words, exorcisms. He's seen him raise people from the dead. He's seen him feed multitudes now in this one. He's followed him on the way. He's seen him be tormented and chased out of cities. He's seen him almost be stoned. He's seen all kinds of things um, going along the way with him. And he even recognizes him on the water because he addresses him as the Lord. And then he, even after all that, even after knowing who it is, he says, well, if it is you, Lord, then tell me to walk on the water, too. So he even gets that. So he gets the everything he's asked for along the way, every confirmation you could want along the way. And he goes ahead and walks on the water even. And even that, even being a disciple, even making his name here in history, Jesus is saying here, because that's what the Bible is partially, whether you believe in the things that happen in it or not. Part of it is historical. Um, 
not and not all of it, but part of it is historical because even some of those areas and people, families exist even to this day. But um, anyway, so what Jesus is saying here, I think what Jesus is showing us here that us nowadays, modern Christians, believers, shouldn't let our faith be too. Um, don't be too upset if our faith isn't what we feel it should be or greater than we think it should be. Because even Peter here, seeing all those miracles and everything, walking with Jesus still had his doubts because as soon as the storms of life rolled in for him again the storms jesus just uh, let him know he has power over and could walk through with him even on water even providing it for him even uh as soon as those came along again uh peter began to sink and cried out saying lord save me and one of the things to notice is you don't usually begin to sink it almost like it's slow motion like as his faith decreased, he sort of started falling deeper and deeper into the storm. But usually when someone's drowning, it's an immediate thing. You drop and you're going under. But either way, he's crying out for help. And at least he's doing the right thing of calling out to Jesus. The one who he knows can help him. Not any of the other disciples who are in the boat with him. He's calling out to the one who he knows he can, who can help him. So at least that is the one smart thing that's happened there after he's experienced all these miracles that many of us wish we could have that would boost our faith like through the stratosphere. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So I think Jesus is saying there the whole point of this thing of seeing the miracles, of going through the storm without Jesus there with them, of even seeing him walk on water, and even letting Peter walk on water with him was to see where your faith is at as someone who's walked with him through all this. And he's saying after all this, you measure up having, unfortunately, just like modern day Christians, having very little faith. Um, at least little faith is what Jesus says here. And he's asking, why did you doubt? Of all the things you've witnessed, why are you doubting? Jesus is still on the water, presumably because he hadn't gotten to the boat. <laughs> so um, he's like, why are you doubting? You're like, standing. you see, I'm still standing on the water. I let you stand on the water just like you asked. And you still doubt. It's almost like in relationships when you date people, you've known you for years and years, or even been married to someone you've known for years and years and years and years, or a friend you've known for years, and and they and suddenly, or maybe even all along, there's always that wondering of doubting what that person's intentions are, and then you wonder after so long, you're like, well, at what point are you gonna believe me that I'm in this with you, and at what point, am, or at one point, am I gonna say I'm gonna stop trying, I'm gonna stop trying to get you to believe where I'm at and find someone else who's as invested in what it is I bring to the table and honestly bringing the same. So it's the same thing, like they're being weighed here and after all the miracles, they're kind of found lacking. At least Peter is. The others didn't walk on the water. He did. And even after that, he's still going to be the one who denies Jesus just before the crucifixion. So, excuse me. Not once, not twice, but three times, by the way. Peter denies him. Jesus, that is. So anyway, okay, so Jesus asked him, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, so again, they're still on the water. Jesus is anyway. Peter was drowning. Or beginning to. Beginning to sink. The wind ceased. So as soon as they got into the boat, uh, as soon as all the perceived danger was over, 
Um, and they got, were in the boat safely. The wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So they were mo so moved by the fact that the storm was over just by his presence um, that that helped build their faith. Whose faith wouldn't it build? When they crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out in all that region, all that surrounding region, and brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. So at this point, this is Jesus traveling around and being so popular that people can't wait just to get an audience with him and even just touch him to be relieved whatever it is that's tormenting them. Um, so much so that wherever he goes, they're gathering to see him. So that's a wonderful thing. If you're a believer, it would help boost your faith. So, and that also ends this reading. I appreciate you checking it out with me. And I hope you'll check out the next one that I'll start in just a moment. We're going to pick up where we left off in the book of Mark. Um, but as always, I'll separate it so that we can, um, you know, index it separately once they're all available and that's coming soon god willing so keep an eye out for that and i appreciate you keeping an eye out here and checking me out um god willing you'll join me for our um wednesdays where we do the gospels of john and luke reading those and saturday night we'll see what we read next i think that i enjoyed sharing that one hopefully you check that one out where we've moved on to gospels that didn't make it our books that didn't make it into the bible that um think you might find interesting so anyway you can check them all out they're here on the channel um and like i said i'm working on indexing them and i appreciate you checking them out in the meantime be safe wash your hands wear your mask uh love your neighbor and thanks again god bless you and peace i'll be right back in just a second with the mark